evening, afternoon, morning, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, welcome to episode something or other of the Run Things podcast. Um, I say something or other because Claire's not with me and she gives me all of the actual information for this stuff. Um, there's a couple of reasons for Claire not being here. The first is that she's lazy and basically I do all of the work for Run Things and she just gets all of the rewards of which um, I'm not sure how many there are. Um, and the other reason is because this is a bit of a special, um, and by special, I don't necessarily mean good. I mean special as in different to our usual setup. Um, and it's a, a very personal one. Um, Friday um, is, so Friday the 18th of um, October is the 16th anniversary of my dad passing away. Um, and if you've listened before, you'll know that he passed um, by suicide um and mental health awareness uh, day world mental health awareness day i think it was called last week um was about suicide prevention and having talked to claire um as i do or talked at claire in depth as i do i wondered if it would uh, work out that we could have a conversation or i could have a conversation with my brother and my sister um about our dad dying um, it was a long time ago. Um, we're all old. We're all parents. We're all in love. You know, we've all grown up and we all talk about dad and we all talk to each other and, and there's nothing we, we hide. And actually, we've between the three of us, we've got a really dark sense of humor about a lot of things. But we've never actually sat down and, and talked about this stuff. Um, and I've realized coming to terms with it myself that Coming to terms with stuff like this isn't a, a linear thing. It doesn't happen in just one way. It, it happens in a lot of ways. And actually, we don't um, come to terms with, with things in, in the way that perhaps we could or should or will ever. Um, and I think I'm massively positive, sometimes probably too positive, too optimistic about this sort of thing and and don't take into account the fact that it's not like that for everyone. And I think my brother and my sister might offer a different opinion on, on what suicide could do to people. I don't know because I've, I've not talked to them yet. But um, sometimes, you know, when you get those self-made people, right? They've, they're very wealthy. They've come from nothing. And they say, all people have to do is work harder and they will get the money that they want. You know, if I can do it, anyone can do it, stuff like that. And on the surface, that sounds absolutely brilliant. But underneath, rooted deep down in that that might have happened for that person but it doesn't necessarily mean that it happens for everyone and something I've realized in the past um, few years as I've, I've grown up as a proper adult and, and having a kid to look at is that sometimes no matter how hard you work sometimes no matter how hard you try things just can't go your way and, and you you can't do the things that you want to do no matter how much you want those things there's just a step missing which means that the 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 goal is is too far away for you possibly to get to regardless of your effort levels and I think that's really grounded me because I've achieved a fair amount I do alright I've got a lot that I I have and and want and could have ever dreamed of but it's not always the case for other people and I think what I want to be able to do in the future is is take stock of the fact that my way isn't the only way and actually that the the thoughts and opinions and beliefs and and passages of other people are completely different to mine. And my brother Bod and my sister Millie have had the same experience as me, but they might have dealt with it differently. And, and how this conversation goes, who knows? Um, 
But yeah, there's there's not a lot of talk about running in tonight's podcast. Um, there's a lot of talk about mental health. There's a lot of talk about suicide. There's a lot of talk about our relationship with our dad. Yes, potentially our relationship with each other and the knock on effects of that sort of stuff. One of the best um, analogies I've I've ever kind of thought of when it comes to the effects of suicide is that it's like dropping a stone in a lake. Um, the immediate aftermath of a suicide is like dropping that stone, that rock into the middle of a lake and it makes a massive splash and has a massive impact. Now, as the ripples go out, as those mini waves go out, they get lesser and lesser and lesser, but they don't disappear. They travel to the ends of, of whichever lake or river or whatever body of water that they're in. So many people are affected by this stuff. Um, so much time is affected by this stuff. And whilst we're all doing okay now, our lives will be very difficult, uh, very difficult, <laughs> that's Freudian, very different if dad had chosen to still be here. Um, and this is our conversation. This is uh, potentially, probably quite triggering for some people, might be difficult. I, I honestly don't know how it's going to go, but it's heartfelt and it's honest. And as much as, as I could hope for, it's uh, three siblings talking about what it's like to lose a parent to suicide and what it does to our lives. And hopefully it will be interesting um, and hopefully it might spark a discussion for people. Um, and as a reminder, as always, it's why Claire and I do what we do. Okay, so really strangely, um, for the first time in my life, I'm actually having a proper conversation with my brother and my sister, who will introduce themselves in just a minute. Um, I just had to explain to them to be quiet so that I could uh, start an introduction. And then my sister went, yep, okay. And then I was like, no, stop talking. So we've just about got here. Uh, first off, hello to my sister, Millie. Hello. And my brother, Bod. Hello. So my brother is here in person and uh, he's come straight from work. So frankly, he stinks. Um, and my sister is on holiday somewhere on the phone. So it's really appreciated that she's here. Um, so the stuff we're going to talk about this evening um, is possibly, uh, di- well, it probably is difficult conversations in lots of ways. Um, but one thing I realized having talked to Claire last week is that we don't often um, converse with the people that we love an awful lot about the things that are tough. So my brother and my sister both went through the same things as I did when dad died. Um, and although we talk about it, or at least we don't not talk about it, we haven't actually, I don't think, ever sat down and had a proper conversation about it. So I thought on uh, the 16th anniversary of dad's death, um, it'd be quite an interesting thing to do. Um, for Bod, who will tell you about himself in a minute, dad has now been dead for just about as long as um, he was uh, alive in Bod's life, which is a pretty daunting stat and basically means that I'm quite old and Millie is really old. Um, so let's uh, let's find out more about them. So, uh, Millie, tell us a bit about yourself. I don't know. Easy going. Yeah. Easy to talk to. Um, I think I'll come across nice. Um, well, you, like, it, you, really. you come across nice, but you're not actually nice. Is that what you mean? <laughs> yeah, not all the time. And what about, um, so apart from you as a person like that, uh, kind of, where do you live? What do you do? Tell us about your family, that sort of stuff. Right. Um, I live in Melton Mowbray, my hometown, where I was born. Um, lived there, never moved away, can't see myself moving away from Melton. Um, I have three, three children, um, Preston, 13, Sophie, nearly 12, and Jensen, 6, coming on 7. 
Great. Um, I'll... Go yeah. on. No, carry on. Sorry, that's me interrupting you. I do no, that no, a lot. that's it. That's it. That's All right. It. And uh, Bod, tell us about yourself. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say, if I'm honest. Well, uh, Millie just told us a bunch of stuff about herself. <clears> so uh, tell us your name, your age, where you're from, where you live now, kids. So I'm I'm Bod. Um, I'm also from Mountain Mowbray, but uh, moved down to Worthing in 2016. Um, I've got a partner. Um, I've got a stepdaughter. Um, and I work full time. So I've talked about you in the podcast uh, before, Bod, and the fact that you moved down and stuff like that. So we'll, we'll perhaps go on to that sort of stuff later. Um I don't know where to where to go with this I guess at first because what what we're basically going to talk about is our dad um and I know I briefed you both already and kind of said you know um you can talk about whatever you want and this obviously isn't scripted but it's kind of difficult just to to go into you know so our dad was a bit nuts and then he killed himself and now we're all who we are and that sort of stuff um what I want to find out from you both first I guess is um what do you remember of our dad from when we were kids? Have you got any like abiding memories or, or stuff that he did or said or anything like that? Not just, you know, mental health stuff, but what kind of a dad was he to you? Uh, Millie, we'll go to you first. Uh, he was a brilliant dad. Um, I was a daddy's girl, um, which when he did die, I struggled with that because the Kevin Bod was always mummy's boy. So up to this day now, my mum always turns to them and me. Um, she um, basically what I can remember. He was he was just an idiot. Yeah, um, go on, tell I, us more. Yeah, uh, I was never allowed any boys in my bed uh, growing up. Uh, when I got to that age, they had to sleep on the sleeping bag on the floor. And he used to come in all the time. Um, can remember as a kid when we used to get to understand quite a bit crabbing. Um, which we all loved. How many uh, How many times like, have you caught crabs? Well, I've never. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, carry on, go on. Uh, um, he, he, was just, he, he was just a brilliant dad. You couldn't ask for a better person as a dad. He, he was a good role model for me. Um, he, he, was, he was nuts. Um, and he, he, he was just really nice. Uh, he, he just used to do stupid things. I can remember when I went to the parents' evening one time. Uh, he jumped down the stairs and broke his finger. He dislocated it. And had to drive home with his finger stuck up in the air. <laughs> yeah, I remember um, that. I remember that really well. Which we all got a bollock when we got home for. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one that jumped down the stairs. Because he, he were pretty firm, wasn't he, at times as well? He, he could yeah. he could dish out a bollocking pretty well. And mum he, mum might he listen was to more this. Firmer, he's more firmer to you, yeah, Kevin and Bud, to you two. Yeah, definitely. Than what he was me. Yeah. I, used to got, I used to get away with murder. Yeah. Uh, I, I never did anything wrong. The two boys used to... Well, no, you did do like, stuff like, wrong. It's just that you didn't get told off for it. No, I used to wind the boys up and hit them. Yeah, I used to blame them so they got bollocking. Yeah. Clever. Um, just stupid stuff. I can remember him dressing up as a woman. Um, going around mates' houses. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 Christmas. He loved Christmas, and we, we had to have a real Christmas tree. Yeah, and I um, I, I do that now. That, that's that's our thing. We've had discussions about this in our house. 
there's no way I'll never yeah. get a real tree because it's I remember as a kid like going to the you know um to Skullford which is a village just up the road and buying the tree from a dodgy guy in a lay-by up there you know I think it's worth saying yeah. as well that we you know so I completely agree with you we grew up with, with love and, and affection and all of that stuff but we were pretty povo as well weren't we like life could be pretty tough yeah, oh, yeah. Tough, uh, money was a massive issue. Yeah, do you remember um, um, cut, cutting the back of the sofa open looking for spare change that we might have dropped just so we could go and like, yeah, buy and milk and stuff? Underneath it. Yeah, they could yeah. always afford fags though. That's what I always found weird. But not only that, it used to be Lambert and Butler. <laughs> Top of the range bag. <laughs> Top of the range. All right, um, and Bod, what about you? Oh, I mean, Millie said a bunch <clears> of stuff, but um, and none of us, by the way, have to agree with each other over stuff like this. Um, you know, we, we can argue and, and discuss, just don't say fuck or bugger. Um, but what about you yeah. and, and Dad as a kid and, and that kind of thing? Um, well, for me, it's a little bit um, more difficult um, trying to remember my childhood because Dad died um, when I was so young. But, um, Which was what, 15? Uh, yeah. Um, is it 15? Yeah, 15 coming on 16. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just really strict, but also um, re- really uh, encouraging. So if he wanted to do something, he always made sure he would um, give every effort to either be there or make sure that we're there and give it everything that we've got, which is why I think... Um, it's the main reason we're all so determined to get things done. Mm. Um, we, we always got what we wanted um, in the end, top of the range clothes and then top of the range shoes. Yeah, like Christmas. Mum and Dad used to do that stupid thing of borrowing till, uh, till they were drowning in debt, didn't they? But that was to give us decent Christmases. I remember when I got a Mega Drive, I was like chuffed a bit. So now I look at it and I'm like, how the hell did they manage to afford that sort of stuff? Mm. It was Definitely. just... Um, it, it, for me it felt like I was always sheltered um the estate that we grew up on wasn't a particularly desirable location <clears throat> um but... women over there I think living on cold it I loved it what do, what do you mean I loved living on Colditz. So Colditz, um, for those that don't know, was the nickname for our council estate growing up. Colditz is a famous prison that no one ever got out of. <laughs> That's why it was. A... So I think its real name is the Fairmead Estate, right? But everyone in our town knew it as Colditz. And it was pretty close-knit, wasn't it? Yeah, very close. You could knock on anyone's door and they're there to help you. Yeah, they'd either help you or sell you an eighth of cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or ask for a slice of bread. Yeah, well, food. that's the thing, because I, like, I remember now, and I talk to people, you know, my, my middle-class mates, um, and I know you two take the piss out of me for, for going all middle-class, but I talk to them now, and I realise, like, back then, I just assumed that everyone was the same, where you'd pop to next door and you'd grab a couple of slices of bread or you'd ask for some milk or you know, um, yeah. use the phone or borrow a fiver till payday. And it... Or it round enough for a fag for your mum. Yeah, well, I remember being sent down the SO garage for with a note. You know, I was like 12 years old and it said, please give Kevin 20 Lambert and Butler. Um, and then it was signed with either mum's signature or your signature. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What about sort of... Um, like, I've talked... You know, we talk about childhood memories of dad. Um, and obviously he was... He was always our dad, so we knew no different. But were there any points when we were growing up before it was, you know, before he attempted suicide, that any of you realised that he was a bit 
unwell or not quite right or anything like that? Were there any hints of stuff for well, you? Um... I, I thought it wasn't quite right. Um, as I started to understand as I got older that it weren't normal behaviour and what he was doing. Like what? Um, just just the way he come across. He, he came across where a lot of time he used to barricade himself in the living room, um, didn't let us in, or he'd take himself off to bed for days. Um, and that, looking at it now, it, that wasn't normal behaviour. Yeah. Um, he kept getting fed uh, antidepressants, which clearly wasn't working. It was making him worse. Um, as for the cannabis, um, the weed that he used to smoke, I think that made him even worse and paranoid over the time of years. Um, yeah. I mean, I've got but, a, I've got a massive thing about that, and I know loads of people talk about like cannabis is a a safe drug and and stuff like that like for me my only very paranoid yeah my only memories of that are are dad being poorly and dad smoking a lot of it um and i mean (laughs) i remember coming home from the pub one night and dad was stoned off his tits and he'd um he'd got the munchies so he drank two tins of condensed milk (laughs) (laughs) to to fill him up but he did didn't he mine was when it when he started it putting it in the airing cupboard and my clothes used to stink of weed yeah yeah, going to school and like not you know smelling of fags and and weed and stuff like that. What about you, Bud? Did you ever? Um, well, be- I think it, because I was so young, um, you and Millie sort of sheltered me away from it. You, well, you, Mum, and Millie sheltered me away from um, sort of Dad being poorly, Dad um, sheltering away from people, and just tried to activate me, um, keep me active, and tell me everything was okay. Um, what what comes to mind is when Dad was um, particularly ill. I think I was at Fernley at the time. Second uh, secondary school for people who don't know Melton that well. <laughs> yeah, se- secondary school. One of the times that I actually went to school um, was when Dad was particularly ill and um, I was meant to go on a school trip, um, but Dad hadn't paid for it or signed the permission slip or anything like that. And Kev uh, took it upon himself to, to make sure that I went on this um, trip and made sure that everything went ran smoothly so I didn't get bullied at school basically so what what do you mean by when he was particularly ill define that um when he just didn't have a rational um thinking um his his thinking was um all about himself um he didn't recognize other people being around him and wanting to help him um and he just sort of um wallowed in his own self-pity and sort of made out that there was nobody there to help him so what 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 do you both think made him feel like that so i was 16 the first time he tried to kill himself i was 15 when i knew that he was quite poorly and before that i always had suspicions that he wasn't quite right you know um Mm. but you know what what makes you think that that he got like that or or that made him like that? Do you think it's it's about life? Because I've always assumed that it's because he had a pretty shit life. Right? His upbringing was pretty tough. Um, you know, and Nan and Granddad um, kind of had a lot going on, and and we all have our particular views on them, which this isn't the right place to uh, share. I, I I think a lot of it was to do with the weed. Yeah. And then, um, but but then he lost I, loads I, of jobs and stuff as well. You know, he got laid off so much, and and he was always wanting to to care for us, wasn't he? And to provide everything and to have nothing and still do that must have been pretty tough for him. For, for me, I I think what set Dad off in the first place was um, 
he was trying to provide for our family as much as he possibly could and give us everything that we wanted. Um, and I, I, I can relate to this feeling, um, a feeling that you're failing in life and you're not being able to support your family. Um, which is why I think he also smoked weed and did whatever he did to escape from it, to, to escape from it, to give himself that little bit of a relief. I think which made him worse. Yeah. And yeah. yeah and it's like a spiral, isn't it? Cause the weed was the only thing I can ever remember him having for himself. He never yeah. had any hobbies. He never did anything apart from work and come home. And I don't want to paint like rosy pictures. Sometimes he was a bastard. Um, or rent or renting out porn videos. Or porn. <laughs> that is old school eighties VHSs. Um, yeah, but it, it sort he used of, you to know, rent them out. He, he sort of you know he went up and down like a tart Snickers, didn't he? And yeah. and it was really mm. difficult. You'd come home from school and you wouldn't know which version you'd get. No, there was a time when him and my mum fell out, um, and I got home from work and he threw all mum's stuff in the garden, hung it all up on the line. Uh, which weren't normal behaviour. Then he barricaded himself in the living room. I can remember that. Yeah. Um, he taped up all the windows and the doors and put the fire on. Yeah. Um, if I'd have switched the light on, uh, the fire brigade was saying that I could have blew the house up. Yeah. I mean, from what um, from what I know, so this was when he started to get really poorly. Um, I've always struggled. I'll, I'll be honest with you both. I've always struggled because. Um, you know, he tried to die when I was 16 doing my exams. And then um, I was very lucky in that I had an opportunity to run away from it all and, and go and live with, with Amy. Um, and I know how much hurt you guys both went through when I was away and, and how much stuff you didn't tell me as well. I, I know of three times of trying to kill himself. Yeah. Um, and there were two times when I got called to go to the hospital um, and in the end on the, the third time I had to turn around to him and dad, me, my own dad and say you can't keep putting us through this enough's enough if you're going to do it do it properly we can't keep living and looking over our shoulder how did thinking, that make you feel like saying something like look, that like if looking you... back now I wish I'd never said it because would he have done it yeah I don't, not, I don't know. It's not about what ifs. I mean, we've all got um, what ifs. It's like I, I, I was the last person to see Dad before he died, and I didn't take the opportunity to tell him that I loved him. I mean, he obviously knew that we all loved him, but to me, if I'd have said it, would it have stopped him doing it? I don't think it would have. Yeah, I mean, I... No, I, I, I missed a phone call from him. Yeah, I did too, Mill. The night before? Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I ignored it. And I've always lived with the regret of not knowing. And I think he was just calling up because, you know, I, I fell out with him massively, which is why I moved away. And we we made friends again and, and we became more like mates than, than father and son. And I honestly feel like for a couple of years, he was doing that on purpose to to send himself away with, with you know, me loving him rather than hating him, which at one point I did. Um, yeah. And he kind of did build some bridges before he died, didn't he? Yeah. He did. I mean, it's like we 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 can't exclude Mum from all of this because obviously Mum went through all of this as well. Um, I remember when Dad was sort of at his worst, or obviously the worst is him dying, but sort of uh, going back to when Millie said he'd turn the fire on in the living room, and you know if she'd turned the light switch on, she'd have blown the house up. Um, <clears throat> at that point, I was 
I, I, I was particularly having to look after mum. Millie was struggling anyway because, you know, she was, she was growing up. She just wanted to be out of her mates and just doing what she wanted to do. Um, so I was having to look after mm-hmm. mum, which put the added stress on me. But I was obviously only like a 14, 15 year old lad. So I didn't <laughs> completely understand what was going on. Yeah, I, I think the thing is with me, I could take myself out. I was old enough to go out. I was old enough to go into town drinking, and it was easy for me to just carry on doing that. I didn't have to stay at home and watch yeah. it and look at it. And I think you've, I you'd have, every, you know, you'd every right to do that as well. Bod was um, was caught um, in that terrible. So Bod for me was the worst age, right? That any any parent could could die in in a lot of ways because he was kind of. 15 um not knowing what to do with himself and i think i remember so i was uh i was living down south mum and dad had like a horrible breakup didn't they and you know um i've got to say as well and I'll, I'll talk about mum in a bit but mum now for me in my opinion and, and you might not agree is the best version of her that i ever thought she could be um and i think she's become an awful lot uh she, she's actually with a lot from three. She has, yeah. And and she's dealt with that with so much respect yeah. and, and love because she's always been a slightly removed because her and dad were separated when they broke up. And, you know, well, of course they were separated when they broke up, but they were separated when dad died. And I remember visiting mum and Bod and they were living in a hostel in Loughborough. Um, and it was absolutely heartbreaking. I looked at Bod and I was like, he can't remove himself like me and you did. And that must have been really tough, you know, mm-hmm. for, for you, Bod. Because um, there were some shitty times, right? Well, um, be, being in the hostel, I mean, mum, mum got us the best place she could get us. Um, it was either living in a hostel or living on the streets, basically. Um, so we had no choice but to live in the hostel. But to <clears throat> to give you a bit of a picture of the hostel, this um, this hostel was for every walk of life, um, from the worst to the top. It had drug dealers in it. It had drug addicts in it it had prostitutes in it active prostitutes but we were using their rooms well which ones are those at the top if you (laughs) (laughs) well well no because there were also you mean the people that have dropped from the top yeah right um so it it wasn't a very nice um it wasn't a very nice place but again mum made it the best she could make it she made our room as best as she could make it she made sure i still went to school um, I was still fed and gave it everything that she had. Mm, she kept everything clean, didn't she? She, <clears throat> you know, it, it, it wasn't it wasn't a nice place and it's no fault with Dad's that we were there. Wait, well, <clears throat> is it not though? Stop doing that because that affects the camera, the uh, microphones. Um, <laughs> um, is it not partly Dad's fault though? We're all painting a lovely picture of him, but it is a little bit his fault that that happened. I mean, he kicked Mum out. It, it, yeah, and he gave, he, gave, he gave the council the house back. Yeah, because <laughs> he was a vindictive bastard. Let's not, you know, sort of... Look, look, yes, we are make, um, painting a picture for, for him to be the best dad ever. You know, he had his he had his faults. And... Bear, bear in mind, when he gave that council house back, he left me homeless. Yeah, he was... I, he, I, I had to go and live with my granddad. He, he was very vindictive, and in, in some ways he knew exactly what he was doing to get what he wanted excuse me um but you know it's probably part of his illness though right well yeah because i I, again i I, I don't think he knew what he was doing at the time when he gave them keys back to the council 
he didn't realise that I was going to be homeless as well. Yeah. You see, I, I... Uh, and, and then my granddad would only, I could only stay with my granddad in the end for so long because I was always going out at night and he liked to go to bed early, but yeah. he wouldn't go to bed until I was in. <laughs> I, I always think that dad wanted revenge on life a lot of times. You know, <laughs> we, we're pretty certain that dad's brother killed himself. Um, that would have always sat with him, you know, he had a, a tough bringing, upbringing and stuff like that as well. Um, let's kind of fast forward just a little bit to the 18th of October um, 2003, the day he died. What do you both remember yeah. of that? I got um, a phone call um, from the police and um, all the previous phone calls from the police um, explained to me that Dad was uh, in hospital and need to make my way over well this specific phone call came from the police and they turned around to me and said can I come out and speak to you and I turned around to them if that words were it's to do with my dad and they said yes it is but can we come and speak to you and I said you don't need to say no more he's dead and they turned around and said look can we please come around and see you um, and I said well I'm going out. I've made plans to go out with my mates in town. He says, look, we need to come and see you. I says, but he's dead. What, what, you, can't, you can't do anything. Says, and in the end, he had to come out to us formally say that my dad was di- had died. Um, and then they asked me to go and identify his body, um, which happened, I think, the previous day. But after I heard that he died, I still went out. Um, and I carried on enjoying the night, and it wasn't until the following day when it did sink in. Did you um, go, did you go out because you'd always planned to go out, and you knew that he'd always die? Yeah, I planned to go out anyway. Um, but when that policeman turned around and said, "Can I come out?" and I, it, the instinct, first instinct was, I knew he were dead. It was weird. I'd what, already known he died. So, what did you think when when you? You knew, not when they told you, but when you knew. I, I felt relieved for him. I felt relieved. That's exactly how I felt. The, when, so yeah. you rang me, Millie, didn't you? Um, yeah, and, um, you and, came straight down on the train. That's right, because all, all you said to me was, he's done it. And yeah. I think just like when you always got the phone calls from the police, I always knew when you were ringing me that there was something coming. And when I saw it yeah. come up, I was like, I just saw your name on the phone screen and, and I knew. And then you said, he's done it. And then I said, I'll be home soon, right? And and that was it for me. Yeah. What about you, Bod? Um, for me, um, when, when I realised um, all the times that Dad tried to commit suicide and um, the way that he was, um, I always I always knew it wasn't if Dad was going to die. We kept it from uh, I think we kept it from you, Bod, till Kev came. Yeah, it it, it, it wasn't... It, I always grew up knowing that it wasn't if Dad was going to die, it was when Dad was going to die. Um, and I just vaguely remember because I've, f- for my own sanity, my own mental health, I've I've blocked everything out, um, just just because it's my way of dealing with things. Um, but I remember coming across that road. I'd been out on my skateboard, I think, or, or something. Um, coming across that road and see, seeing you stood there in tears with police there, and I just had this gut-wrenching, heart-sinking feeling that, well, this is it. I don't have a dad anymore. Mm. And it's just, you, you know, it was it, it was 
a relieving feeling, but as a 15-year-old lad, to think, well, I've not got a dad anymore. It was just horrible. And I had no choice but to kick out. I mean, there was a police officer that tried to talk to me. I asked him politely to leave me alone, and he wouldn't leave me alone. So I told him I would run off. His his response back to that was, if I run off, then he'll have to chase me and catch me. He I, I ran off, he couldn't catch me, and he went back to my mum and my auntie and turned around and said, if he doesn't come back, we're going to have to take him into custody. And that, that, you know, that's just how things were. I think it's um, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, like, without a doubt, is having to... So, Bod, when I got home from... Um, from uni and, and came up you were at granddad's um the hardest thing i've ever done in my life was walk through that door and look at you i i, I still didn't know what was going on no i know but it, it like it broke my heart because by that point you did you, you knew he was dead but you'd obviously exhausted yourself and and you were asleep on the sofa and you know we're not very uh tactile or, or cuddly people necessarily but i just remember holding you and just thinking fuck like you were 15 and didn't have a dad anymore. I was 19 thinking I've got to try and act like a dad. And, you know, I could barely wipe my own ass. I'd only learned how to cook a chicken, you know, a few days before. Um, Millie, you were you were kind of AWOL, right? And I don't mean that in a harsh way, but you sort of... I, I, t- I turned to drugs. Yeah, and you, you turned, you, you know, you, you turned away to do what you felt was right for you. And, and, you know, I would never, ever hold that against you. But it was like, it was really tough that day, wasn't it? Yeah, very tough. And what about the week yeah. after, you know? So we find out on a Saturday, I the think it was. The week after, it was my birthday, not long after. Um, and he got away with not getting me a birthday present. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're all right, because he, he bought Bod a, a bloody PlayStation for Christmas on the Never Never, and I had to pay the bastard off. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> Things have never changed. No, exactly. Um, but it was kind of, you know, how did you feel afterwards about him and about the situation? Because we've all said... There was a relief there. For me, yeah. the relief was that I would never hear that he tried to die again. It was that... If, I... if someone ever asked me in the street or anyone or to this day, how did he go die? I tell them the truth. Yeah. It's not embarrassing. Um, as soon as someone asked me out, well, I didn't talk behind my back. Yeah. Um, I, I'd even go to the far telling them how he did it. No, um, that, that's interesting because um, that's one thing I never talk about. I I think suicide is enough. I don't think it ever helps. What? Why does that help you? Or why why do you do it? Not necessarily why does because, it help, but because I'm not ashamed of how he did it and what he did. Because you, I knew he was ill. Do you think it adds anything to it though? Like you know, he died um, by suicide. It doesn't matter whether you... don't, people out there that don't see depression as an illness, they they could walk by in the street and think that person's normal. They're probably not. Yeah, but why does um, why does saying how they killed themselves see, I've, affect I've, it? I, I've got to agree with Millie. I'm for me, I'm not ashamed to. Um, I, I would rather somebody ask me than talk behind my back. No, no, no. I get this. I, sorry, I, I might be confusing. I get all of this, and I would say that Dad killed himself. Um, I mean, there's people who listen to this who hear it enough. I'm talking about the mechanism of him dying, the fact that he chose to commit suicide in a certain way. I, th- I think he did it in. Um... In a place that we used to go as kids, um, we always used to go there walking or walking the dog. Um, and I think he did it because it was a peaceful way to go. Not only that, knowing that we had to deal with going to identify him. Yeah. And he was there in one piece. Yeah. But, but going back, um, 
I'm not ashamed to to talk about the way that he did it because um, it's just it's just um, it's just a way of dying. Yeah, but there's no sh- there's no shame in it. It's what that adds. So dad dad killed himself in his car, right? Um, yeah, it, it's not the fact that it's it's in a certain way or any way of killing yourself is better than another. I just don't think it adds anything to it. You know, um, I I do like the fact that we could see his face and God, he looked rough when, when we saw his body. And I think if I look back, I probably wouldn't have gone to, to see him lying in state or whatever they call it. That did nothing for me at all. Um, but then maybe I'd have regretted it if I didn't. What was that day like for you, Millie, when you saw him? Cause you didn't, did you, Bod? No, I, I chose not to. Do you, are you happy that you chose not to? Um, more than happy. I'd rather have remembered dad the way that he was than yeah. seeing him that. And what about you, Millie? Cause you had to identify him. Yeah, I had no choice. Uh, I had no choice to go and identify him. Um, and he was at peace. You could clearly see that he was pain-free. He was out. Um, and he did look like he was sleeping. And I couldn't ask for a better way for him to kill himself as in that way at well, all. I mean, I, I totally get it, right? And there'll be people listening to this getting it, but isn't that a weird thing to say? You know, I, I, I agree with you 100%, but so, it's still... So, a... so do I. Like, the way that I look at it now is he's, you know, he's he's comfortable, he's he's happy again, and, you know, what, what, what more can you ask for? But that, that leads us on nicely then to, yeah, he's comfortable and he's in a place where he wants to be and whether that's, whether we believe it's heaven or just not existing anymore. But what about us? What about the effect it's had on us? Because um, do, do you think he'll look on us now? Because we're all fucked up in our own ways. But I think it's made us stronger. It made us stronger as a family. We've we've had to do more things as a family. Um, I we had to arrange his own funeral, um, which no kids should have to do at such young ages. Um, we, but, but do you not both dislike him? I I, I, dis, uh, I, I don't I, I don't forgive him. I don't dislike him. Day, no. I dislike some of the things he did. Yeah, I get that. What What did you say, Millie? Um, up to this day now, I don't forgive forgive him. So you think it was the wrong thing, despite the fact that he he looked peaceful and and you were relieved and stuff like that. You still won't forgive him for him dying. Yeah, up to this day now, I still don't forgive him. Whether that day comes where well, I do forgive him, but up to this day now, I don't forgive him. But back in the day when he did do it, there wasn't a lot of help out there for people suffering with mental illness. That's a really good point. I mean, did did either of you hate him at any point? I I, no. I, I did. In what way? Um, I hated him, but the fact that he could um, stop... Uh, for me, it was... Um, I hated him, the fact that he could stop loving his children, stop loving life. And, and uh, as Millie's just said, there was no help out there back then. Um, if you fast forward sort of 10, 15 years, maybe it would have been different. Because there is, totally there is a lot now. more help out there now. Why, Millie? Why would it be different now? <clears throat> because there's a lot more help there now. Instead of just going to the doctors, popping you off with tablets all the time. Yeah, but would, he have, would he have taken it, though? People... I mean, you remember that time I, that I, he, he, voluntary, I think he, would have. he voluntarily sectioned himself, didn't he? And then he left because he said he wasn't nuts enough and he walked home in his slippers 18 miles. With... A couple of hundred yeah, because budget. yeah, because back back then he thought being nuts was sitting in a chair rocking. 
Yeah. Because that's where he was. And that, that's the thing, isn't it? Those, those sorts of places have all sorts of people with, with mental health problems. I mean, you know, Bod, you'll, you'll know that more than most, right? When you, so um, I think we, you know, let's move on to kind of how we all deal with it now. And um, I'm one of those people who is, is sickeningly positive about stuff and I try and use it as much as possible. And, and I know we've talked in the past, Millie, about um, I was offered to do a TV show and, and you said that you'd prefer I didn't do it. And mum said she'd prefer I didn't do it. So I didn't do it. Because putting yeah. this stuff out there is really tough, isn't it? Um, oh, but very. What kind my of my kids? My my kids they un- they understand. Um, yeah. They know know about it now because at the age where they they've always asked me, but I've never told them until they was at the age where they'd understand. And do you think it's affected your mental health? Yeah. How? Um, because because of the. Um, I've been lost with that. Yeah. That's very lost. Like your wedding and stuff like that, and him not, you know, walking you down the aisle. Oh yeah, things like that. Um, the kids, um, meeting my husband. Yeah, I mean, isn't it really weird that because I kind of look at Jesse and you got three of them, and Bod, you got one, and just thinking, God, if he could see these kids now, he'd realise what a stupid thing to do that was. Oh, well, definitely. I mean, I've had, I've just you, had to do up it. a BMX with Jesse. I've got a clue what I'm doing. Dad did all that stuff. Yeah. And it's it is missing out, isn't it? You know. Yeah, I, I think the kids would love him. Absolutely love him. <clears throat> yeah. But you're uh, back to your previous question. Um, well, when I said that, um, fast forward ten, fifteen years, <clears throat> I I honestly believe that Dad wouldn't have done it. The way mm. that the way that life is now, but then you also have to think if Dad hadn't have died, would life be the way that it is now? No, of well? course it wouldn't. But okay, so let me put a really tough question to you, Bod. If, if you can say that about Dad and fast forward fifteen years, he wouldn't have done it. We're fifteen years on, and two years ago you tried to do it. Yeah. Why? Why? Because, um, in, in, in complete honesty, I tried to do it because I'm selfish. I don't. That, that's not true. I mean, that's like. That's a tough thing for you to say, and you might feel that about yourself, but it's absolutely not selfish. Yeah, but that's that that's that's something that I've had to realise about myself. I'm not saying attempting suicide is a, is is a selfish thing to do. What I'm saying is the reasons I t- attempted suicide was because I was being selfish. Why then? Um, because I thought that I, I'm I'm very sort of self-centered, and I, I I want people to to give me all of their attention. And I, I honestly was doing it as an attention thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm keeping this recording forever because you've just said that you like having attention. <laughs> That's so bloody true. I think the thing for me, so um, I, I do a little bit of stuff on social media. The thing that's got me the most uh, likes and retweets on Twitter ever is a thing I put up about you a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And that was that three years ago, I travelled up north and um, basically forced you to come and live with me because otherwise you were going to die. And in the year afterwards, we had some really tough times and you did almost die. And then uh, a couple of months ago, um, so you've got a house, you've got a kid, you've got a job, um, you've got now a fiancé, you asked someone to marry you, right? Yeah. Three years ago, you were at death's door quite literally. And then you got engaged three years later. And that shows that intervention. But not only that, he had a lot of help there. The lack of help that Dad had. 
Yeah, and I, I think, Mill, you know, that's kind of, if we're looking at the positives of Dad dying, I wouldn't have known how to deal with Bod as he was. Because, like, I, I, I'm sounding a little bit big-headed, but I gave up so much to help Bod out because I knew that having that kind of impact could make such a massive difference. And I only knew that because it wasn't what Dad got, right? Mm. Um, now, I'm not, you know, you, you might not have gotten ill if, if Dad hadn't have died, Bod. But I also think, going back to what you said earlier, Millie, it, it's made us all stronger. It's made me a better person. I don't think I'd be a bad person, but I think it's made me a better person because when you go that low, there's only one way to go, isn't there? And it's it's climbing yeah. back up, right? And I think all of us can look at each other and look at ourselves and just go, we've made our lives and we've done as much as we possibly can to get there. Yeah. So, yeah, that's all. I just want to ask you one more thing, Mill. If, if, you could have, yeah. if you could have five minutes with Dad... Yeah. What would you say to him? That I love him. Um, that I know that he would have regretted what he's done. Um, and that, that what he's missed out on, uh, are the best years of his life, what he's missed out on, i.e. me getting married, um, the three kids being born, um, and me being settled. Mm. He, he, he would have regretted that. And what's your favourite memory of Dad? My favourite memory is perhaps when he was smoking weed. Um, he was playing a, a guitar, but it, he, he didn't have the guitar in his hand. <laughs> he was listening to heavy metal, which he never listened to. Yeah. Um, and I can remem- remember that. Um, and I can always remember one thing that he said to me a week before at the Welby when I used to meet him. Um, he used to say to me... I, if you do drugs, do them in proportion. Don't take the piss out of them. Whether that was when he died and that's why I turned to drugs, because he gave me the go-ahead, mm. I don't know. But I can also remember going to the Wellbeing meeting him. He just bought a coat and left all the tags on, and the tags were all showing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, it's, he was so, like, split, wasn't he? Sometimes he was absolutely bob-on, and other times all over the shop. And Bob, yeah. what about you? You've got five minutes with him. What do you say? Um, just that I love him. I miss him. Um, I wish that he could see what what life is now and how much life has evolved and what what his kids are achieving now and his grandkids. Um, just just ask him not to do it. And what's what's your favourite memory? Um, it's. It, I don't really have one particular favourite memory, to be honest. It was just, like, I I always knew Dad was at his happiest and Dad was in a good mood when he had his music blaring and he had Tracy Chapman singing at the top of his voice. That's mm. when I knew Dad was in a good mood. Yeah. All right, Millie, I can hear your kids in the background, so uh, <laughs> I think we're going to have one more funeral if we <laughs> if we don't wrap this up. Um, yeah. I want to um, I want to really quickly say to both of you that I know this is a really tough conversation. I talk about this stuff all the time and I find it hard. And um, I want to say that in the past 15 years, um, we've never had this sort of conversation. And I really appreciate you both going to the effort for doing this. So thank you both so much. And, and I've, I've done it as well, because if anyone is out there listening, uh, I've done it to even if it saves one person. And I think that's the perfect way to think of it, Millie. Thank you so much. Thank you both for your time. Um, I love you both loads. And, uh, you know, this, this could make a difference for some people. And I appreciate what you said. Thank you.
Oh man, um, that was tough, um, enlightening, um, surprising, different, difficult, but I think interesting. Um, and I hope some people that are listening to this kind of take some sort of hope from the fact that three people who uh, love each other dearly, I love my brother and I love my sister now, I couldn't be more different from them, um, can have one thing that, that makes them um, who they are and, and help to define them, but not actually define them. I think also um, it's nice for me right now. So my brother's just left my house. I'm, I'm recording this outro right now. Having talked about losing my dad, um, having talked about it being such a difficult situation and sat opposite me is uh, someone he's never going to meet. Um, and that absolutely breaks my heart. But also it's smiling right back at me. And it's Jessie's. Hello, Jessie. Hello. Hello. So I'm going to do a little interview with you, OK? Um, so how old are you? Five. What school do you go to? Comes to Wickhampton. Good. Um, and... Tell me, Jesse, what was my daddy called? Grandad Dicky. Grandad Dicky, because Dicky was his name, wasn't it? Yeah, and you've never met him, have you? And um, so next week, um, it will have been, guess how many years since he died? 16 years, which is a really long time. Um, but you know that, that Grandad Dicky is the reason that I do all of the work that I do, don't you? And what's the work that I do? Do you remember what's it called? Run, run things. Run things, and we love run things, don't we? And it makes us stronger and stuff like that. Do you wish you could meet Uncle uh, Uncle Diggy, Granddad Dicky? What do you think he'd be like? Tell me, what kind of granddad would you uh, like? Would you like to play fight with him, talk to him, read with him? You like to play fight with him. He was really good at play fighting. Do you know when? <laughs> do you know when I pin you down and I put my knees on your? Um, on your biceps and I do petrol pumps. Do you remember that? <laughs> he used to do them to me when I was a kid and I really wish you could meet him. Um, so um, that's it. Um, I know we haven't talked about running at all tonight, um, but this is a, a special, I guess, in a weird way for the podcast. Um, and my sister, who um, I've always said is thick, <laughs> which she'll attest to, um, said it exactly right it's worth going to these sorts of efforts to change one person um if that person is you then you're loved and people love you and life is worth living um it's very rare that that's not the case and we will always do run things like we do run things because we can make a difference and you can and sometimes we don't know it because people don't say thank you all the time but we really can um be, be kind and be generous um, and, and make a difference to other people because uh, Jesse sharing is Diary. that's right I love you